Hello, world. You know, my name is Jason Tyler, the person. This is SeaWorld Hollow, and this is the men's show. Mentoring, empowering, and nurturing. Yes, sir. Goddamn. <laughs> it's a new day. <laughs> listening to the men's show the show that is motivating empowering and nurturing for all who care to listen won't you join us your hosts are c will holla and jason tyler the person bringing you information that only two men from a background like ours can facts so c will holla my man yes sir from many many moons ago Destiny has brought us to a point that we are now in a position to give content in a, in a way that only we can. Yes. Lake Mary High School, what, nine, no, uh, 1992? Would it have been? 92, 93? Ooh. 92? That's 8th grade for me, 11th grade for you, so I want to say that was 92, 93. So in 19, we'll go with 1992. You got two African-American males that grew up in the proximity of the same overall neighborhood, but as subdivisions, we were from different areas, came together in a class and had a bond that's lasted 20 plus years. Super facts. Who would have ever thought TV production would have led to a lifetime of wisdom and and bonding as men and here we are 40 plus years old with a platform delivering content that the world needs I mean to be fair when when the question is always and often asked um, who would have thought I hate to be the asshole in the room and say me uh, <laughs> because it's true. Like I look at people who are not necessarily in my area in terms of proximity, but who are in my area in terms of spirituality. Um, I think when we first linked up, we definitely was trying to size each other up, see what this cat was about. I knew of you, but I didn't know you like that. And I'm pretty sure you you know you knew of me but didn't know me like that but you know here it is that we ended up in that class together along with you know some other good friends of ours at the time guys by the name of Ernest Whitby and Eddie Perez yep and I think that what we are clearly aware of now as men and not so much aware of as children and young boys um we are aware of of, of what is what I would call universal purpose Fair. um some people call it alignment. And I think that, you know, we just follow what was in us to what, what the call was. And I think that, you know, 
there was no judgment. I didn't I didn't feel like I there was judgment for you. And I know you know there was plenty of and they're gonna have to pardon my terminology here, but there was plenty of dick measuring going on back. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of that. But I didn't feel that from you and I felt like there was a kindred spirit, a common bond. Episode one from Boys to Men. We're gonna title this first topic, Tales from the Hood. Sanford, Florida, aka Bo Key. Um, they're just three bullets that I want to call out and I definitely ask and get your information and get your take on it and I'll fill in the blanks on after that um, but point one talk about our hometown memories highs and lows so what is the best memory that you have of San Florida right now just you know in a, in a quick riff you know that's a challenging statement where we are um, you know I guess honestly probably one of my greatest moments would still have to be, believe it or not, um, the holidays when everybody would get together mm-hmm. in Academy Manor, um, mm-hmm. around your street. Uh, I, I get, it really didn't even matter what particular holiday it was, but back when, like I said before, the violence got bad, back then you could come together, you would smell a number of barbecue grills, you know, yeah, everybody would be out there, you know, in their nice short sets back then. <laughs> you know, uh, that's when they was into the the big classic cars. You know, the Impalas, you know, drop low. And but at that time, everybody was just out there still vibing. You know, it was it was before the gang stuff got real bad, so people were just out there having a good time. Yeah, I the, would agree. With you. Yeah, that's that, and probably you know the Fourth of July downtown. You know, at the riverfront, those are probably the highlight moments for me in Sanford. Yeah, I was definitely gonna say my best memories of Sanford, Florida would would definitely be the holidays, but more specifically, one holiday comes to mind for whatever reason, I would say it would be Thanksgiving because I think that was the day that people came together and it was about family. I know as a kid, you were coming together for Christmas, you worried about what toys you got or what clothes you got and stuff like that. So that was more so about what the, the gifts you were about to receive. But I think with Thanksgiving, because that was a holiday where you were guaranteed to have that uh, that Friday off. Um, <laughs> yep. We get the guests from out of town and everybody. It was just kind of sort of even back then from a memory standpoint, it was the nostalgia of that holiday that I appreciated. And to your point, Sanford was Sanford, the city of Sanford, not just, um, you know, Southwest Road and, and Academy Manor, yep. our neighborhoods. The Sanford was a community back then. It was. You yeah. know? And, and one other memory that comes to mind were always the summertime classics at the Civic Center. Man, yes, days to me. Yes. You know what were the best best memories. So uh, in that same line, um, approaching the different side of the spectrum, and I think I know what you're going to say, but definitely I want to hear what you have to say. What is your lowest or worst memory from Sanford, Florida? I mean, the obvious is definitely um, Trayvon. New York. Uh, I knew you were going to say that. Trayvon uh, being murdered, and probably more so than anybody else. Um, I actually lived in the complex where he was murdered. I had just moved to uh, my home maybe a couple months before that episode happened. So to see that happen in the very neighborhood where I used to live, Mm -hmm. really 
hit home and it also really the media just really did their job to paint a different picture because that neighborhood yeah that neighborhood was definitely not a neighborhood that we I didn't even know we had no security like that it was a very peaceful place it was um, pretty much brand new um, townhomes at that point so um, that was definitely a dark time to be from Sanford and for to be so close to that um, that's the obvious one I'm trying to think of something else prior to that and I guess you know what this may be generalizing so to speak but I remember it feels like I could pinpoint the day when drugs and a lot of my my homeboys uh, when they really started hustling and selling drugs mm. and it, it just that that whole time frame everything shifted mm. in, a, in a bad way you know I can you know, I can remember some stopped going to school. You know, they just really fell into that life, and and the downward spiral to see a lot of these 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 guys I grew up with to this day is still it's hard to to look at them. It's like, man, I remember when we were still young jits. You know, the highlight of our day was to go play basketball and come home. Yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of uh, growing up fast. And it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned the Trayvon Martin thing because I know here a lot of people that know me um, and they knew I, they knew you know that I was from Sanford. So a lot of people would question me about Sanford, my hometown and where I came from. Because first of all, you know, I always have to explain to people, you know, Sanford is a <laughs> small town along the I-4 corridor between Daytona and Orlando. Those are the only cities that they know, you know, relevant to Central Florida. So always having to explain you know we are south of daytona north of orlando um yep. but what i try to explain to people you know no no disrespect to trayvon's family but i had to explain to people that trayvon martin nor george zimmerman are from sanford right that's fact so I, I don't think that a lot of people understood that um definitely sanford is in the deep south and it is steeped in historic racism just as all southern cities are but i never really experienced anything that where i felt that my life was in danger or in jeopardy at any moment because i was black um but segueing over to where drugs hit and specifically where crack hit Sanford, mm-hmm. i mean seeing guys that i grew up with that were children you know, delving into a life that was definitely an adult game, you know. Um, It was kind of, you know, I I just remember the gravity of the moment, like looking at guys that, like you said, we played basketball with, Nintendo games with, and stuff like that, you know, starting to wear these big guns. (laughs) (laughs) Then, I'm still at home playing with Legos and, and, and Sega Genesis and stuff, man. It was just, you know, um, I don't I don't think I was ready to grow up so fast. So uh, luckily I was allowed in my household, I was allowed to hold on to my childhood a little bit longer. Um, you know, and I think, you know, 
that benefited me later in life because I, I, I didn't have so many miles on me, so to speak. But um, at right. the same time, I didn't, I didn't run towards, you know, adulting so quickly. Um, and I think that's one thing that a lot of us from that hometown, from our hometown faced is, is growing up very quickly. Um, but since we're on that topic about how we grew up, you know, I definitely have one of the discussion points called uh, family dynamics. So we definitely come from different dynamics, but there are some correlations or similarities there. Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, and you don't have to go too deep into your personal life, but just talk a little bit about the family dynamic in which you grew up with. Well, <clears throat> I'm glad you made that point because I think for us to be co-hosts and driving a show forward, our different upbringing, I think is really gonna give our listeners a 360 degree perspective of life because in, in all honesty, my dynamic in my household was totally different than yours. I was mm-hmm. raised um, single mom predominantly until I had a, um, a stepfather come into my life that really changed my direction. But uh, probably up until I'm thinking nine years old, somewhere in that ballpark, you know, my lifestyle was my mom was at work. I was a latchkey kid. Uh, you know, grandma lived next door, but I had to grow up quick because I didn't really have a choice. You know, I had to learn to keep up with keys and, you know, let myself in and making egg sandwiches and stuff like that. So at the same time, because my mom was working and providing for the household, I was left up to my own devices a lot. So mm-hmm. I experimented with a lot of stuff, went a lot of places I shouldn't have gone seen a lot of things I probably shouldn't have seen um, as a as a young person. But at the same time, when I listened to the dynamic that you came up with, with, with your family, and I let you explain that, mm-hmm. it, it, it helps put in perspective how important having stability in your household is. And that's not, I'm not saying that my, you know, I didn't have stability but a different form, Oh yeah. you know, a different form. Um, there were a lot of lessons that I had to learn the hard way, especially about dealing with people, trusting people as a young kid. Yeah. You know, I just had that blind trust. You know, I would let people in the house, not think about it. You know, I mean, they're trying to make food for folks, you know, and they, as, a, as a young kid, you know, because that was my lifestyle because I was by myself a lot. Um, I have a brother, a blood brother, but he's eight years older than me. So that's like growing up like an only child. So when I was eight years old, he was 16. So 16 ain't thinking about eight years old. That's a whole, that's a big time gap. So in a lot of senses, I grew up, you know, single kid really on my own um, in one sense. And then, you know, like I said, I had a stepfather come in that changed the dynamic and pointed me down a road that has a lot to do with where I am today. Yeah, I do remember a lot of, conversations uh, about you attributing a lot of your later success in life uh, you, you know ran towards adulthood to manhood you attributing a lot of that back to your stepfather and you know me knowing him and getting to know him um, for the few times that we did meet I could definitely see that he was one of those old school solid dudes yep he was didn't need a lot of words didn't have to have to talk a lot um, to get his point across so uh, I could definitely appreciate what we call back then that quiet strength yes sir 
Yes, sir. Yeah, well, I guess for my family dynamic, um, you know, definitely being born to very young parents. My parents were still teenagers when I was born um, and being a product and a child of the late 70s. Um, I don't have any bad memories, but because I don't think you have any reference points to life and what life should be at that point. Um, to me, everything was good. And I just remember seeing my uh, parents just do a lot of things that I thought people did until I went to my grandparents' house, which was a totally different dynamic because they were, you know, rooted and based in the church and they were older and they were established because they had jobs. Um, so I went from basically an unstructured home to a very structured home <laughs> um, right. where there were two, you know, parents, um, you know, with my grandma and my grandfather. Um, and it took a period of adjustment for me to get used to that family dynamic. But um, one thing that they did provide was structure, which was something that a child needs. You know, definitely children need structure. I think you do need a little bit of room for creative flow and curiosity, but also you do need structure because I think that's what helps you set, you know, rules and boundaries, not only for yourself, but for you to be able to interact with other. But um, this actually begs me to ask another question because I have to address this oftentimes as an adult. Um, how often, or if you can recollect, how often did you hear, or would you say you heard the word love pass mm. your home? Like how, how many times did someone say, Hey, I love you, or show you some affection, not just put a meal in front of your uh, uh, face or clothes on your back, as they say, cause I know I heard a lot of that, you know, that, that's, that was the way they showed love, but it, that really wasn't love. That was more so duty and obligation. That's a great question. And you got to bear with me a little bit because I got to give some context. So um, there's levels to when I say um, my mom was a single parent in the 70s. You know, unfortunately, um, some of the men in that era just made some some bad choices. Um, the dynamic of relationships compared to then and now is like night and day. So, so my mother and my childhood was, it was rough. Uh, there's no other way to put it. Um, I seen my mom go through some things, some hard things uh, involving my biological father that really shaped our relationship um, from a childhood to adult. So when you ask that question, how often did I hear it? Honestly, I didn't hear it. Mm. Um, may, well, I would I would hear it at times of being chastised for whatever the reason, and you know, I hear it. I'm 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 I'm, I'm beating you because I love you. You know, <laughs> you, you you hear it then, but um, which is definitely confusing as a child. <laughs> and and to be fair to basically to my mom because of the result of what I saw as a child, it was difficult for me to receive that because she tried, like she would try to hug on us. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't even know how to respond back. You know, I didn't, it, all of that felt foreign. So, you know, she used to, she used to 
tell me, me and my brother at times, like, I don't know what kind of boys y'all are, you know. <laughs> but mo- most boys, you know, they, they mama's boys and they love on their mom. But, um, yeah, I'm in a healthy place now to look back and say back then because of, of th- that dynamic in the past, um, probably a hug was probably it. But the words, just saying I love you, just just for general purpose, didn't really hear that as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, definitely, definitely growing up and maturing, uh, becoming a young man, now uh, a middle-aged man, um, that word was clearly foreign to me because, again, I'm growing up with my grandparents, so these, that's just not a word that I heard, you know, let alone the affection piece and hugs and kisses and just overall general support. I think like I, I think back then, I think obligation was more so the priority versus, you know, any kind of emotional growth and maturation and support. And I think this is where we get to and we'll continue to approach these topics is, you know, from our perspective, um, I think that's why a lot of black men in particular suffer from arrested development because they are not mature enough in an emotional sense to handle the rigors that come with loving someone else because I don't even think these these guys know how to love themselves. And I know that was one thing that I had to learn as I began to grow and develop. Um, and definitely when you started trying to develop romantic relationships, not mm-hmm. sexual relationships, but romantic relationships, where you yes. had to give some emotional thought to this person that you were spending time with. Um, and, and concern yourself what what she cared about and stuff like that. So um, it begged me to to dig a little deeper to find the the desire to want to do those things. And one song comes to mind that I mean, man, this song my aunt used to play it all the time, and I I listen to this song at least once a week as a grown ass man. And I don't know if you know this song, but I'm gonna give you the title. I want to know what love is by Foreigner. I want to know what love is. Yes, sir. I listen to that song. Yes, sir. I want to take a little time. Oh, my gosh. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that's real music, but... It's real music, man. You, you know, um, when we decided to to do this together, this podcast, it's amazing how much the universe is steady confirming, even in this, this first episode, because what we're touching on is really... Um, is addressing, I think, the root of a lot of issues when it comes it comes to me. And like you said, you you hit the nail on the head, man. When when trying to address romantic relationships and trying to grow to that point, even in the beginning, in my teenage years, it was still foreign to you know you you associated physical stuff with love only. That's it. Yeah. You know, you didn't, I didn't, it, it, the maturity and the, the understanding that didn't come to way later down the line after a bunch of hurt individuals in my path of just as a guy not understanding, well, what's she upset about? I don't understand. Yeah. You know, so um, your, your upbringing, man, and the experiences that you come up with really are so pivotal and important into how you grow emotionally as a man. 
and I think as we continue to you know press forward with this podcast and 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 to your point about how things are universally connected and how they all come back together was a word I like to use is the word coalesce um I want to ask this question and we'll get back to the topics that we have at hand why do you think we were different in terms of coming up the way we came up because we all kind of came up the same way yeah we had different situations and circumstances in the individual households but we still came up the same way why do you think we sought something different versus our peers and our counterparts honestly i think it's a combination of a few things um one being that we both were well let me I don't want to speak for you, but I know it is kind of lined up. But I say for me, growing up in a religious household, you developed a healthy, um, what I would call a, a fear of disappointment. Mm. Um, back then, as a little kid, you had your you had God then your parents, and mm-hmm. so. One thing I can say, um, as much as I hated my mom to drag me to church as much as she did, those formative years, it mattered to me to disappoint God it, as a young person. So when those opportunities, when that, that shift was coming that we were talking about where you saw a lot of our peers, they started to go down the road of selling drugs, stuff like that. Basically, I was afraid. I really felt like to go down that road that that was going to not please God and just something bad was going to happen to me um, because I knew better. I just, in my formative thinking, I was like, okay, this is not good. I'm going to shy away from that. And it was, and now for me, this is probably where the stories differ because my subsection of Bokey, which was Lockhart, mm-hmm. had a, I was really involved and nested in my friends in that arena. And we really kind of like raised ourselves together. So it was really difficult to not go down the road that the majority was going down. Um, I had to endure being called nerd, church boy, you scared, all that, you know, natural peer pressure. Yeah, from man. your from your peers because it was right there. There was no shielding it. You know, we we played together. It seemed like every day. So coming up from that, then really the, the only thing that really saved me, like I said, I had that healthy fear of disappointing God and my parents, and I just really felt like if I if I went down this road, just something bad was going to happen to me, and I couldn't bring myself to do it, even after all the. The, the name calling and the pressure and the peer pressure, I just, I couldn't bring myself to go down that road. Yeah. Man, that's, um, that was a, that was gripping in the sense that, and I think this is what we're going to come to discover as we continue to press forward on this, on this podcast, man. The things that you say bring so many memories, vivid memories back mm-hmm. to my mind. Yes. Like, I remember those moments being called church boy, being called nerd, being called lame. Mm-hmm. With other, some other definitely <laughs> violent names, yep. man. They just play, they just beat you up. So I, that actually leads me to ask another question. 
that we deal with in society today. Um, when you see these anti-bullying campaigns, what's your take on that? Being that you have three children, um, what is your take on, on bullying? Because I know we we had to deal with it. And I know we, we, we dealt with it with a badge of honor. Right. Like we that was a badge of honor to kind of be ridiculed and, 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 and talked about or whatever. And you still, like you said, stood your ground. <laughs> and, and see, again, um, I got another layer to it because on top of being in a predominantly black neighborhood, and going to church on top of that i wore glasses so that made it even worse oh yeah i forgot boy listen i, I <laughs> so oh yes sir i forgot that bro. yeah so i'm talking about you talking to a person that i'm just sitting on the bus and then you know back in the day i think uh it wasn't just like elementary school for some odd reason it would be elementary and middle school would be on the same bus um mm-hmm. I'm talking about sitting there and just foul to my back of the head. Somebody just done, you know, sawed off, hit me in the back of the head, all because of how I look. You know, I admit, now I got some pictures from the sixth grade of Greenwood that's, man, look, I look like Black Lucas. You'd have to look up the movie uh, to see what Lucas looked like. Lucas looked like that baby from the Rugrats, the one with the box glasses. That's, That's what I look like in the sixth grade. So having to deal with that, um, and and I guess bullying then is different than bullying now. And and honestly, how did I deal with it? You didn't have a choice. Yeah. You either it, it either made you conform to what they wanted you to do, or you just dealt with it. And honestly, to this day, now that I look back, I think that's where my my character was built to where now I like to go my own way. I definitely despise somebody trying to make me conform. I like to cut my own lane and everything I do. And and to answer the question, you know, dealing with my kids today, this, in my opinion, this type of bullying now is, it seems like it's bred. Like like this type of hate and bullying for the people who are doing the bullying is like taught to, to bully in a way that this is like, this, this is like a, like a morphing of what bullying is supposed to be. I mean, the level they taking it to now, the way they attacking people and things of that nature. As a father, and I may be naive to think this way, it's like my like my mindset. I wish somebody would bully my kids. <laughs> that I may not be right, but that's my thinking. Like these are these are Jenkins. These these are my children. I wish somebody He's would. Fun. Man, like I, 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 I felt that. I felt what I felt what you meant, sir. Yeah, and, and and but in the real world, my oldest daughter has dealt with it in not so much the physical way, but mentally. You know, um, and I think that's more so the game, and that's yes. what I by you know uh, what they have to deal with versus what we have to deal with because I think right now is so much of the mentality in terms of like dealing with the cyber bullying and stuff mm-hmm. like that, what we had to deal with because you could literally run away and get away from it. You, you, you said the key. It is, we're talking about bullying in a generation where these, these young people of today, entire identity is built in a virtual world that's not real. Like you said, we could run away physically. We could not do 
to them, they can't escape the persona of who they are in this virtual world they call cyberspace and social media. Mm-hmm. So when somebody gives them a bad review or gives them a thumbs down, that's the equivalent to back in the day, me being slapped side the head in front of a bus full of people. Yeah. Except 10 times worse because now, okay, you got 20,000 followers. Everybody just saw you get the thumbs down or the slap on the back of the head. And because they, because they can't separate this social media persona from the, the real world, they might as well have just got hit, not just slapped in the back of the head on the bus, they might as well have got hit with a hammer. You know, to them, that's how devastating it is. So mentally, um, it's so much worse for bullying now because it's really all in the mind. And you saying something about me on social media, then you you are attacking all that I know that I am and these kids are not equipped to handle that. Yeah, and I, I, I've heard many a times where people say, well, just log off, you know, like <laughs> get, off, get off social media, turn your, put, put your phone down. But that phone is, and I mean, there's been, you know, scientific study after scientific study talking about the attachment that comes with technology. Because I remember, you know, when we first got our, like, you know, introduction to technology, that was by way of Atari and Nintendo and Super Nintendo and, and things like that. But I think you mentioned earlier in the segment where we were talking about, you know, one big highlight of being a kid back in our day was we go outside and play. You go yep. outside and put your partners and, yep. you know, get on your bike and, and, and ride to the store and, and yep. play basketball or pick up and run and all these. I mean, we, we, we literally went on adventures as yep. children. Yep. What, and it, hey, and it's what, was so the, what was the number one Christmas present back in the day? Oh, a bicycle. Man, look. That was like a Cadillac, man. You look forward to that, that, that new set of wheels. So to do just what you said, go on that adventure. Where we going? I remember them days, man. You see a sea of bicycles, man. Oh, yeah. The- and I mean, you you literally have a get-along gang riding a, a, a get-along <laughs> <laughs> riding the road like they on the joint. For real. For real. And I remember that bike, man. Listen to me. I can actually remember each and every bike that I got for either my birthday or Christmas. And those bicycles, that was such a symbol of freedom. Man, who are you telling? A symbol of freedom. So that, that that's that's a good point you made there, man. Hold on, man. You you, you took me back, man. I got to tell this story. <laughs> okay, tell the, the story. The greatest bicycle ever to be created in my eyes. I know what you're going to say. Well, no, this... To me, this was a brand that I had I didn't see anybody else with. I'm trying to think, where did we go? Because you know, back then, you know, your parents would take you shopping and kind of give you an idea, but they wouldn't let you know for sure that's what they was gonna get. This mm-hmm. bike was called a Golden Eagle. And at the time, this was when I felt like I had in my neighborhood the first bike that had free wheel spin. That you could spin your 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 sprocket backwards. Mm-hmm. And it had the air brakes. It was called a Golden Eagle, man. I felt like I was riding on a cloud, man. That bike, I'm talking about even the knobs on it, on the tires, made it sound like almost like it was a little motorcycle when you was riding. You, ar, 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 as you was going down the road. To this day, man, that's the greatest bicycle ever made in life to me. It was a Golden Eagle. Not what I was going to say, but um, <laughs> I'll have to look that up. I was going to say the Huffy Sigma. 
like I said, in like I, like all I can say is I didn't see anybody else with this bike I had. I don't even know where Big John found this bike. That's my stepdad, y'all. Y'all hear me reference Big John a lot. I don't know where he found it at, but I'm telling you, man, I felt like I heard the music when I when I that Christmas morning. I thought I heard ah, when I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> like the Christmas story when he yeah. opened it. Because to me, I'd never seen a bike that you could spin it backwards. I was like, man, that was amazing to me. Every bike I had prior to then, you know, like you say, was Huffies or whatever. You know, you ride and if you if you go backwards, that's the brake. You know, you locking up, that's practice. So, man, to have hand brakes and and free spin back. Oh man, I was living the life back then. Man. Yeah, no, I was gonna say that Huffy Sigma, which. Um... I don't know if you remember, it was like, it's just kind of like cool gray and it had the mag wheels, like the little hubcaps. Yes, um, yes, um, yes, I do. Like beyond turquoise type of letter. Yes. Oh, that, oh, listen, that thing was the Ferrari of bicycles back then. <laughs> you know, that, that thing to me, um, and I'm talking about it in such a nostalgic way because I didn't get my hands on one. And I actually have a, a story, and this is a true story about that Huffy Sigma. I think one of the many things that we had the advantage of growing up in Florida is we had the ability to watch the shuttle launches. Yes. Right outside yep. our elementary school. Yep. And everybody knows what happened to one particular shuttle launch. I can't remember the time of year, but everyone knows about the Challenger explosion. Yep. And that particular launch was significant because there was a teacher by the name of Krista McCullough yep. who was a teacher from a Florida school, a Florida elementary school who trained to be an astronaut and she was on that trip. And I yep. remember yesterday I was in the fourth grade. We go outside and I remember everyone's outside and we're looking up and we see that shuttle go up in the air and that shuttle did something that we all knew even as children, we knew that shuttle wasn't supposed to do that. Right. And I want to say we had to be the nine or ten, uh, eight, nine or ten. I can't remember which particular age you are in, in, the, in the seventh grade. I mean, not in the seventh grade, in the fourth grade. Um, but I remember that shuttle exploding and it sent like this kind of shockwave through the, the, through the nation. But I think in Florida, we felt mm -hmm. we felt that because we are not far from Cape Canaveral where we grew, grew up. Um, uh, Kennedy Space Center and that used to be one of our field trips as children uh, growing up in Central Florida um, but the reason why that story is relevant to the story about the bicycle so a couple months later you know they had this art contest for children to draw pictures of the, their memories of the space shuttle and I was just flexing my little artistic license at the time but dude I actually won the contest <laughs> Check that out. The sad part is, I didn't know I won the contest until later on that day, by that time that they said, hey, you have to go to this location to claim your prize, which was a Huffy Sigma. <laughs> Check that out. Sad part is, bro, I got home and I am literally sweating bullets waiting on an adult to come home so they can take me up there to go pick up that prize. Dude, whatever reason, no one came home to after seven o'clock and my grandfather came home he, once he finally came home i begged i'm talking about i was bawling crying we gotta go up here and get this bike we gotta go up here and get this bike dude by the time we got up there to go get the bike 
they had already given to the second place winner. Oh man. And you want to talk about dealing with hurt, <laughs> like frustrated, like, dude. I, I I don't think I spoke to anybody in that house for like a week after that, man. Like my little feelings was fried, died, and laid to the side, bro. Like I was I was destroyed. Um, Especially if that, if that was your dream bike. It was my dream bike, man. And I have many many stories <laughs> about heart heartache and pain. <laughs> Because I think that's to me that's just that's just what life is about, man. It's a it's about dealing with disappointment because you gonna you gonna get that. Life life gonna deal you a bad hand every now and then, and it's how you press forward on through those disappointments. Um, but before but hold on, before we move on, there's a fact I don't even know if you know this, but uh, Big John used to work for NASA. I didn't know that. And so, just speaking of the launches. To see the launches from the elementary school is amazing. Man, he took us as close as you could get one time, actually to the Space Center there in Cape Canaveral. And to see it up close, man, it's mind blowing. That had to be sheer power, like power. Like You can hear it and feel it. And I can remember, man, you just looking at the reflection of the the rockets off the water because there's a uh, there was a canal that uh, that's that separated from where the, where we were, where the people were, the closer you get to the space center, it was just a canal. And I remember like it was yesterday, man, seeing the reflection of the fire from the rocket boosters reflecting in the water as this thing goes up. And it's, I'm talking about you felt like you could feel it in your chest, the power and see, it was amazing, man. That's that's something I'll never forget as long as I live to see a space shuttle launch that close, up close. Man, I try to tell people, and only folks who grew up in Florida can understand it. There was some distinct advantages from growing up in, in that state. Do you remember when they would re-enter the sonic booms? Yes, always. Man, I mean, as a little kid, I mean, you get used to it as you get older. But man, I thought Jesus was coming back one time, man. <laughs> <laughs> we were sitting around, boom! I mean, but it's, it's a boom that, I, I mean, you can't even really put in the words. I mean, it's like something like, like you literally, you, you feel like you can hear that around the world. I mean, it's such a boom. Yeah, it would well, shake the house. Yeah, and I was just gonna say it would, it would hit twice. It would go boom, boom. It yep, like, yep, sure did. Yeah, man, oh, that's God. pretty cool, man. Yeah, for real. I mean, it's amazing how much you you can't say you forget, but that stuff is like buried. That's just like in your subconscious. Yeah, it's good to remember that kind of stuff, well, man. I, and like I said, I, one thing that I'm looking forward to. Um, is just having someone to share these memories with. I've said it before, it's, it's important to have a story to tell, but it's more important to have someone to verify the facts. So, I mean, having having the ability to share this with someone that I actually grew up with, that we can share these stories from different perspectives and different points of, of vantage points, man, and points of view. To me, this I think this is going to be amazing, bro. And it is. Hope- they committed to it um, for the for the duration of it, um, but we're right like at an hour, um, fifty three minutes in. So uh, I don't want to keep you up, and I know I have to make sure I get myself in bed, or I'll be looking crazy tomorrow. <laughs> I got one more question that we can okay. cover this, and then we can cover the other topics as we continue to go on. Because All we, right. have, uh, we can talk about basketball diaries, we can talk about TV productions with Miss Anthony, um, we can talk about friends that we've lost. I definitely want to. Talk, talk about that um but one thing let's close the segment with this back in the days when i was young i'm not a kid anymore but some days i still wish i was a kid again 
What would you do differently if you had the ability to go back in time? Man, man, man. <laughs> you like that one, huh? Oh, that's that's good. Um what I would have what I would do different is the first thing that comes to mind is uh musically. Mm. My musical foundation started uh with my grandmother used to clean the church. Mm. Church right down Airport Boulevard, Second Shallow Missionary Baptist Church. And um I was me and my brother was supposed to go help. <clears throat> and um I don't know how young I was, but I'm talking about this is like the beginning of my memories. So I'm thinking I'm at least four, five years old. Um, never get supposed to be in the cleaning bathroom. <laughs> Happen to spot the piano because the way the church is laid out. The men's bathroom, you come out, you make a left, and right there was the main part of the sanctuary. The piano sat right there. So I could see the corner of the piano hanging over. And my curiosity got the best of me. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. And so I left my cleaning duties and I went and I started tinkering on the piano. And um, grandma came in, boy, what you doing? You supposed to be in here cleaning. I said, yes, ma'am. You know, and so, but every time we went back, I found myself back by the piano. So eventually my grandmother got to the point she didn't bother me anymore. And that was the foundation of music. So fast forward all the way up through middle school, the one thing that I wish I would have done differently was keep pursuing my music career out of middle school because at Greenwood, I was in all of the gifted music programs, but I loved to play sports. So I chose to play sports instead of auditioning for the band at Lake Mary. If I had to do it all over again, I would have pursued the musical aspect and went on to the marching band and who knows how different my musical journey would have been if mm -hmm. I had made that decision. That's the one thing that I would do different. Wow. <clears throat> See, knowing you for over 30 years, man, and I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah, I was at a crossroads, man. Like, literally, I was in gifted. I mean, Mr. James, I don't know if, you, if Mr. James was still teaching music. And I don't know if you, if you didn't take band at Greenwood. I don't know if you had it, but I didn't. Yeah, he he was telling me back then because I played several instruments. Because I played whatever was I played the sousaphone, I played the baritone, I played the trumpet, I played the bell, the drums. I just was gifted. If I could see it and I could hear it, I could learn it. That's that's how much of a sponge of music that was. And I remember there was a guy. His name was Greg. Uh, Greg Hirsch, I think his name is. We both were coming out of the drum line and he auditioned for the for the drum line and made it. I was like, I was kicking myself. I was like, man, I played this dude up under the table. I knew I could have made the drum line for Lake Mary. And see, I really didn't, because of our dynamic, coming from my neighborhood, you didn't really see people in the band. You saw people play sports, you know? <laughs> so just that even thinking that way of like, ahead of time, you know, I wish somebody would have been like, follow what your dream you know you're good at this you know find a way to do both but if i had gone down that road i would have probably excelled at the band like i was doing in middle school i probably would have ended up at berkeley somewhere school of music and who knows where i could have been um but that one decision man is oh if i could do it all over again i would i would audition for lake mary high school band which i knew i would have made 
and my whole musical career would be totally different. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's I, again hearing you call out these names about these schools, these places, and these people. Um, like I said, right back down memory lane, one of my favorite Minnie Ripton songs. Um, I think for me, my back in the day moment that I would do all over again has something to do with growing up and education. I think, I, I don't think, I know I would have paid more attention in school. I would have taken school much more yes. seriously yes. Um, as, a, as a child because not only from an educational standpoint in the, in the benefits and the importance of education, but I would have taken myself more seriously going through school to your point, like getting into programs that were passions of mine, um, cultivating a life that would probably help me develop into, I think, a more well-rounded person. I think back in my household and back in my life, back in that time, I, you know, I would just go to get go to go to class to get by. Yep. yep. Like clearly, I, like you said, I, I remember writing a paper so well that the teacher thought I plagiarized. Mm. I remember that she's she was like there you she was like dude you've been knocking out C's this entire year how did you come up with this concept these 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 like how did you string these words together I said first of all that's disrespectful (laughs) secondly It was a topic that I cared to talk about because it was a book that I actually read and it was a book by Zora Neale Hurston. Okay. Black author. Yes. From Edenville, Florida. Right. And I wrote the the review um, from what that book meant to me, what that you know it, I, I just remember dealing with growing up black in Central Florida, and it, it, I just remember, man, like it was such a it was it was such a um, I, I don't even know how to explain it, man. Like I I just don't remember having a lot of opportunities to express myself growing up, so to speak. And I think, you know, to your point about music and, 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 and how that was a real passion of yours from a childhood, I didn't see a lot of scholars. Exactly. You know, growing up, <laughs> it didn't really dawn on me that, hey, I probably should take this school thing seriously. You know, I just remember they would say, go to school, get you, well, my grandparents was this tells you how old they are. They would say, go to school and get your marks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get your marks. It wasn't nothing about, you know, um, actually something that benefiting you in, in, in life. Um, so I, I would definitely do that. I would go back and, and take myself much more seriously in school. To, to I think this is a perfect way to <clears throat> close this, uh, this segment because what this topic right here specifically what would you change i think it identifies with i know a message that that i want our listeners and in this particular case people that have an influence on a child 
So not necessarily a parent. You could be an uncle, you'd be a cousin, you can be an adult, you know, friend, but someone who has as an influence on a child. Exactly what you said. We didn't see any college graduates. We didn't see any higher learning education in my immediate circle. So you didn't you didn't really press to be better than average because you didn't know you were supposed to. There was no 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 one pushing you to tell you, hey, you can do this. Now I will say for me, uh, what my what my stepdaddy used to say was things like, you know, don't be the picture show. Cause I used to clown a lot in class, make people laugh. <clears throat> You know, he would, he would, that was his saying, don't be the picture show. And he would always say stuff like this, you know, if I got in trouble because I'm clowning with, the, you know, some guys in class, his whole saying was, well, if they jump off the bridge, you're going to jump off the bridge too. He was instilling in me then, think for yourself. But even still, even in that dynamic, there was, hey, you can go to college if you apply yourself from a middle school point on. Hey, you have these opportunities afforded to you if you apply yourself, if you do well. And this is, to me, I think, the genesis of the, the message that we want to give is that we want to leave people and our listeners knowing that when you hear content coming from both of us, C. Will Holler and Jason Tyler, the person, we want to put you in a position to know that you can take this information and go make an impact in your own life and an, and an impact in somebody else's life. Because if we had just one person to say, you can be this. Our whole, again, our whole dynamic, our whole life path would have been different because one, somebody spoke that into us. Someone was willing to to show us the way and plant that seed. We, unfortunately, we didn't get to this point to late on in life, but I'm glad we did. But just thinking about how different life would have been if we just had that one person that we saw doing it because it's one thing for you to tell a child or try to implement something to someone and they can't physically see it you know but if you see someone studying if you've seen someone you know doing college you know type academics just being in that environment you know how different would our lives have been yeah i mean i definitely felt that I also reflect on it in this way and I think this is one thing that I came to realize as I become old I, I became older um, that I would look at the folks that were in our lives and the disadvantages that they had to face growing yes. up they weren't given a lot of options to 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 do more and to be more themselves um, yep. you know with my grandparents coming from rural South Carolina uh, you know they weren't and being black from rural South Carolina at that. So, you know, they didn't have, you know, a lot of opportunities, but for what they did have, they maximized the hell out of it. Um, so, you know, God bless them. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's to, to your point too, it's almost like all I'm saying is for generations, people did the best with what they had, you know, and you, you can't learn what you don't know. Right. They can only approach life from their own level of yep. experience. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Well, like I said, man, we are running over on the hour, bro. So this edit is gonna be crazy, but I got it, man. We're gonna do this. Like I, I glad I'm glad I was able to link up with my bro so we could do this and put this positive word out there. <laughs> um, do you wanna leave last thoughts, last closing message? Um nothing more than this is a uh, a beautiful experience that I get to sit here and basically just rap with my brother, someone um, that our paths were destined um, from the beginning to a journey that's led us to this point where we are. And, and that we're in a position to speak life into our listeners, um, bring some healthy content. We're going to bring some comedy. We're going to bring some... All that nutritional uh, information. We're going to bring some financial information. We're going to bring uh, whatever that we feel is necessary to put our listeners in a place to be impactful, to uh, make changes in their lives for the better. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad that we have this platform and I'm glad to be uh, bringing this content to you uh, with my brother C. Will Hollow. Fact. They uh, each one teach one. And we don't plan to spare it. We are going to share. There we go. I like that. Yeah. Um, but listen, bro, I appreciate it. Forward to it. Let's go ahead and dedicate at least the eight o'clock or nine o'clock hour on Sunday to do these. Um, yes. That way, we have time to edit them and get them down. And if we need to move the time up, we can do that. But um, Really appreciate it, man. Really appreciate the dedication and commitment to this project. I think is going to bear a hundredfold fruit. Mm -hmm. Listen, I, I do want to say this. I know you can edit this out. We kept our commitment. We said we was going to have our first podcast done by your birthday. Facts. I didn't even think about that. And I will not edit that out. Absolutely not. Yeah, we, we, we spoke that. And so um, I'm glad to say that we kept... We, we spoke that into existence, to, into existence and it has now materialized like many other things that are coming our way. All right, brother. Appreciate you the life, boss.